From Jordan-Hare Stadium to Auburn Arena. From the Plains to the recruiting trail and all points in between. If it's Auburn, we've got it covered. Did I say War Eagle or War Eagle? That's it? War Eagle. This is the Auburn Undercover Podcast with Brandon Marcello. Hello, everyone. I'm Brendan Marcello, and I'm joined today by Keith Niebuhr, who is on the road somewhere in Northern California, driving up the coast. Are you driving up the coast? Are you driving through the wilderness? I'm from. I, I'm <laughs> driving, in Alabama. Driving so down the coast. Yeah, driving down the down coast. The coast it started in Portland, Oregon. Uh, really, have seen all the sites. I mean, you know, Hood River, uh, Mount Hood. Oh, gosh, uh, Cannon Beach. You know, where the famous Haystack Rock, where they filmed the Goonies. You know, yeah. there. Then today we today we saw Crater Lake, which is just one of the most amazing things you'll ever see in your life. Uh, yesterday, though, I was at the University of Oregon, got a tour of the football facilities, and that's an amazing campus. And, and I know you're a movie buff, and and a lot of the movie buffs out there will remember that Animal House was actually filmed at the yeah. University of Oregon. So it's kind of neat to be in that area. But uh, this is a beautiful part of the country. Just entered California about two hours ago. First thing you see is Mount Shasta, which is fourteen thousand feet high covered in snow and it's just yeah. a, this is such a pretty part of the country I, mean, I love alabama love georgia you know everybody knows i'm from florida but it's uh it's pretty special out here too i've never been to the pacific northwest but that's, i want to go there mm. someday oh. um you know yeah. when when auburn scheduled oregon i was all like man i wish that was a home and home but uh yeah, they're instead no, playing in arlington yeah. <laughs> uh yeah, they're I playing know. in arlington here in a, a little over a month um now speaking of oregon you were at oregon's yeah. facilities I mean, we've all heard about how just first class that that situation is there in Eugene because of Phil Knight and Nike and everything. But what kind of impressions did you get getting to look around at their facilities and how much of their facilities did you get to see? Yeah, almost everything. And honestly, Brandon, your your reaction is, you know, as you're walking through, there's just wow. Now, it, but it also makes you think about the possibilities at Auburn. You know, what, what are they going to come up with? And uh, but, you know, obviously you don't have the mountains in, in Auburn to look at from the windows and, and of the sixth floor facility. But Auburn's got everything else, you know, and Auburn's a scenic town. And, and, and so I'm very fascinated now more than ever to see what Auburn comes up with but regarding Oregon. You get your, your stadium is actually off campus. And a lot of people don't realize this. It's, it's yeah. about a mile off campus. I'd say you have to cross a river, the Willamette River, I believe you can walk it or, or take your car there. Uh, right next to the stadium and some of the wow factors of uh, the locker room in the football facility now there's actually a locker room in the stadium which is funny because it's right next to the football facility but the locker room in the uh, uh in this in the uh football facility is amazing and in fact Brandon, just a week ago i was i got a tour of the dallas cowboys facility and honestly this was just as nice uh, just little things like where they store the the, uh, the shoulder pads and the helmet after practice it's put above the locker in a, in a unit that's ventilated to take the smell out and the moisture out. Right. Stuff yeah. Like that. Yeah. I've, I've uh, seen that at Dallas. Yeah. 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 Oh yeah. And then you've got the, uh, you know, all the, the embroidering of the ducks logo on all the leather it's Ferrari like leather. I mean, it's every, every seat is leather. I mean, by the way, what Auburn has in its facility now isn't bad leather, but this is just kind of that next level stuff. Uh, gosh, how, what do I say that the, the uh, auditorium, like the, the, the room where, where Gus Malzahn would talk to the players before a game. Well, where Mario Cristobal talks to his players in that auditorium setting behind him, 
were at Auburn, you know, there's that the, the chalkboard type thing, Brandon, or whatever it is, the, the screen. At Oregon, that screen opens up with the push of a button, and you look at the stadium right there. Wow. And so just things like that. It, it's just – it's almost hard to put into words. They really played up the Heisman. You know, you and I are in the Auburn Athletic Facility all the time, Brandon, and you got to search for the Heisman trophies. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, and, that, and Oregon, that's, that's you, one you big – yeah. yeah. It's a big disappointment go to ahead, me when go, I go. came to when I came oh, to yeah. Auburn six years ago. I was walking in. And I'm like, "Where's the Heisman Trophy? Where's the national championship trophy? I want to see it." And they're like, "Oh, it's over in this room off to the side." Well, yeah, and you know it's funny. You didn't go to Auburn, and I didn't go to Auburn. And I appreciate Auburn's history, man. I mean, man, do I? Okay, absolutely. And man, I would have those Heisman that Heisman stuff front and center because mm-hmm. that, that is some elite stuff. And that's what Oregon has done with its one Heisman winner, Marcus Mariota. You walk into the front of the football complex. Well, there's a few different entrances, but the main entrance has his Heisman Trophy right there, and and there's like a sculpture of the Hawaiian Islands. I can't really describe it, but obviously that's where he's from, and it's all working together to for effect. Uh, the Ducks logo is everywhere. The Oregon logo is everywhere. I actually saw the room where they do the photo shoots with recruits. Unbelievable. Uh, you know, the room where they have all the pairs of Nikes that they wear. I'm not kidding you, Brandon. There were about 50 different combinations of cleat up on the wall that they had down in the equipment <laughs> room area. And you know, obviously, look, Auburn's, uh, Auburn's greatest benefactor didn't found Nike. Okay, Oregon has that going for it. But, you know, when you really think about it, Brandon, and um, I, I love underdog programs. And, I, and I've always thought that Auburn was sort of an underdog program, given that it's not it, – it doesn't – you know, it's not – doesn't have the how do I say this? Philip always explains this pretty well, but you know, uh, it, it's not it doesn't have the state in the name of the university. You know what I mean? I think uh, Oregon's an underdog school. I mean, when you think about them not having really any real players, Brandon, let's be honest, within a hundred miles of that school no. in any direction, prospect for them to go out and get players there, they had to do something like this. And yeah, Ole Miss had to do something like this, and you saw them do it. And Auburn's always had the benefit of the location. I know I'm going off track here, but Auburn's always had the benefit of its location. Um, and then you think, well, what can they do if the facilities are on par with the Clemson's, Alabama's uh, of the world? And then you'll really see Auburn probably uh, doing what it did in the 80s, you know, at its peak. Uh, but it's interesting. But everything, I would say, more than just one thing standing out, Randy, everything was just top-notch. Everything. Every single, the game room. The game room for the players to unwind is on the sixth floor. That's the top floor of the building. One direction, you have the mountains. You turn around, look the other direction. You see the you see Austin Stadium, which is right next door. So it's all visually, they put a lot of effort into it as well. You know, Brandon, I had a friend who, uh, my cousin lives in Arizona, and a good friend who designs golf courses. And I said, what are, you, what are the first things you think of when you're designing a golf course? He says, the view in the clubhouse after you finished your round. He wasn't even thinking of a course. He was thinking huh. of the views yeah. after you and I were done playing golf. Well, the views of this building got me thinking about that. At every turn, you had a view of something, whether it was the city of Eugene, which, by the way, is a half million people, the mountains on every side, and then the Alton Stadium. And then also, the stadium is right on the river. It's really an interesting place. I don't, I'm not crazy about off-campus stadiums, but it's right. It's like NC State. It's, it's close enough to the campus where it's not really a big deal. You know what I mean? But uh, it's just a first-class thing. And, you know, they don't, I wouldn't say they have a stadium with as much character as Jordan Hare. And Jordan Hare just needs to be fixed up a little bit. But, you know, it's obviously much smaller seats, 60,000. Yeah, it's and cool apparently, 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 though, it's, yeah. like, really loud and amazing atmosphere at Austin yeah, Stadium I, there. I think I, yeah. I think I know, yeah. 
it's a complete bowl, and I think that keeps the sound. And then they also right. have kind of an overhang. I, I, I put a photo up on the site if anybody, yeah, uh, AuburnUndercover.com. But you, there's some overhang thing, and I think that keeps a lot of the sound in there too. Uh, a different kind. Look, uh, you know, my friend that works this says, look, this is a different kind of crowd than like at Auburn. They're not 365 football. When they show up, it's more like going to a rock concert. They they put everything into that one day, those seven eight home games a year. Uh, and then the rest of the year, they're pretty casual about it. But you know, obviously, having Phil Knight heavily involved got that program off yeah. the ground. He made it. He made it a national program, which was what they needed because they have to recruit nationally um, to to get the type of players there to be successful and contend for championships right. not only in the, in the Pac-12, but obviously on the national level. When Chip Kelly was there, and I think Mario Cristobal is definitely going to get him back to that that level just yeah. because i mean they've had record record recruiting classes and you had those facilities they're they're going places there under mario cristobal and of course auburn opens the season upcoming august 31st against mario cristobal's oregon ducks justin herbert quarterback auburn with its great defense going against him it should be a great opener but it, it's interesting to be able to hear from keith like a first person uh, uh, perspective on what Oregon has there as far as facilities, because as he said, it's Oregon's not like Auburn, where they're just in the deep rooted part of football country, and there's recruits everywhere. Uh, they were literally in their backyard. Whereas in Oregon, they have got to go out across the country, across the West Coast, to get guys, and uh, they've been able to do that because of facilities. So I say that to say this. And maybe you too, Keith. It's going to be interesting yeah, to see yeah. how, when Auburn builds this football complex finally, how that affects things for them moving forward as they, you know, I think they're playing catch up with Clemson and Alabama when it comes to facilities, obviously. And once they do that, you know, what, what's, what happens after that? So an exciting time for Auburn, but, you know, you get some more perspective when you visit these other campuses. I've, I've only visited a few myself. I haven't visited Oregon. But it, it, it always surprised me how I'd go to these other campuses that you wouldn't even really think would like have jaw-dropping uh, football facilities or even athletics complexes. And I'm like, wow, they do a really good job of presenting their history and tradition as soon as you walk in the building to catch your eye. And at Auburn, they just don't have that. You literally walk into a lobby, yeah. and if you want to find the Heisman Trophy and the BCS National Championship Trophy – you've got to ask a secretary where to go if you don't know where you're going because usually the room, which is off the lobby, if it's open, you'd think it's just a gathering area with all the seats in there and, yeah. and chairs. And then you'd walk by and go, hey, did I just see a trophy out of the corner of my eye? Yeah. Um, obviously, that's something that'll be fixed when they open up the football complex, I would I would assure you. Yeah, yeah. Can you hear me okay, Brandon? Because I'm yeah, I got you. through Northern California. Okay. Well, a perfect example. I mean, obviously, I went to the University of Florida – and their facilities, certain aspects of it have always been good, and certain aspects of it have always been like, yeah. oh my God, what are they what are they doing? And one of them was they didn't have that grand entrance, okay? And that's kind of really the only thing Auburn's missing. I love when you drive down Donahue. I think it's <laughs> I think it's really cool. You drive down Donahue, and all of a sudden, pow, you see that stadium. You don't see that at all the stadiums. A lot of stadiums are no, but that that's cool. But you don't have the grand entrance to the athletic facility or at the actual stadium. Um, but anyway, at Florida, you know, they had the uh, a kind of a weak entrance. And they said, you know, they're going to spruce it up. Now, they're still behind on facilities themselves, by the way. I think Auburn may end up getting ahead of them pretty quickly here. But uh, uh, they decided, let's put this bull gator, this you know, statue out front. And then 
a grand entrance where you can look in and see the, the three national championship trophies. And I think once Auburn does something like that, look, it doesn't really matter. I think it does because it's all part of a presentation. I always tell people, a friend of mine that I used to work for said, look, you can have the greatest party in the world, but what if your invitation is so bad nobody wants to open it to even know you have a party, okay? And that's kind yeah. of what this is. Your facilities are the, the, the uh, are the, uh, the invitation to the party that is Auburn that is Auburn football, that is Auburn University, that is Auburn, this unbelievable community in which we, we spend a lot of our time, Brandon. So, you know, but uh, it's going to be fun to watch. And, you know, they got to build it. You and I talked about this. They can't build it for 2023 because in 2023, 24, 25, those other programs are already behind. Shoot, they'll be juicing theirs up even more. They'll be renovating it by them. So they got to build it for like 2028, 20, 20, They got to get ahead of them, get ahead of, far enough ahead so that you can have a little bit of a period where you can spend money on other things. But it's going to be fun to watch. I, I think for once, you know, that last meeting, Brandon, that you were at, where it looked like things are moving forward. I think that's, uh, I think that kind of lit the juice or got the juices flowing for, for some of the fan base. I'm, I, I know it did for me just to see the possibilities. Or, yeah. Or dream uh, and think about the possibilities. Yeah, I think a lot of people still had questions about it, but I'll, I'll tell you this from talking to folks, they've got the 10 person committee together. And what that pretty much is, is it's yeah. a committee that will gather all the information, do everything, and then just give it to the board, and the board's going to rubber stamp everything. So it, it's a it's a mediator, so to speak, um, that's going to be able to gather facts. Here's an idea of what we have. We're gonna we want to spend this much money. This is what it's going to entail, and the board of trustees will just put a rubber stamp on it because they trust these committee members that they have assigned uh, to this working group. Uh, I shouldn't say committee, a working group to uh, explore a facility. And the wheels have been moving on this for a year now since Alan Green's been the athletics director. They have an idea of how much it's already going to cost. They just got to get this first rubber stamp and then they can move into the design phase. And that's when they'll start exploring what do we want to put in this thing and what are we going to put in this thing? And I think they'll start getting feedback from some notable Auburn alums, um, yeah. which would be very, very helpful, especially on the technology side. Wink, wink. So anyway, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> um, moving forward, um, I know it's summer, but we're about to get kicked off with SEC yeah. media days, which to me, for at least as a beat reporter on a football side on the field, that's like the start of the football season for me. But recruiting oh, yeah. is 365 days a year. And since we recorded our last podcast, Auburn picked up two commitments, which you expected. And a lot of our subscribers at Auburn Undercover, if you're a subscriber there, knew all about because of Keith and his reporting. Uh, tell us about Xavion Capers. And Wesley Steiner, what Auburn gets in them and kind of how this puts Auburn heading into the future as they're ranked right now in the 24-7 sports composite at number 14 with 13 commitments. Yeah. Well, as you know, Brandon, every spring when Auburn seems to be not uh, having a lot of momentum, people start panicking on the message boards, and I'm usually trying to calm them down. Well, the reality is, the truth is, I'm usually thinking a lot of what they're thinking, like, uh, are they going to get any commitments anytime soon here? What am I going to be writing about? You know, And sure enough, Big Cat Weekend comes every year, and Auburn always seems to pick up momentum uh, from that event, and the, the momentum derived from that event. So on June 1st, the morning of June 1st, we woke up, and Auburn had six commitments in the 29th, number 29 class in the country. They got a commitment that morning, four-star offensive tackle, J.B. and Cohen out of Central High in Alabama, uh, Phoenix, Alabama, Phoenix City, Alabama, pardon me. And since then, Auburn went from six commitments to now 13 with these most two recent commitments. Again, six to 13 to seven commitments since June 1st and up 
15 spots in the rankings. And all of a sudden, the top 10 looks like it's within sight. It looks like a realistic possibility bring and not just some ridiculous pipe dream. Now, obviously, Auburn is going to have to play well this season for, for, <laughs> for many reasons, uh, one of which being uh, you know, kids want to see stability in the coaching staff and uh, you know, all that stuff. So, uh, but Auburn's in a much better spot right now than it was when June came. The latest two commitments, Xavier Capers, four-star receiver, from Alpharetta, Georgia's Denmark High School, 6'3 and a half, 195 pounds, big, tall receiver. Uh, he can get after it. He's got a large catch radius. He doesn't have a great uh, vertical jump, Brandon, but you know, he's tall and has the long arms, which more than makes up enough of that. He, can, he moves well. He catches the ball well. He's good after the catch. And Auburn has done so well with these big, tall receivers just since I've started covering Auburn uh, that 2013 season. So he fits right into what Auburn does. And it's funny, I ran into another SEC head coach recently that I know pretty well, and he, he just kind of marveled at how Auburn keeps getting these really good receivers. And right now Auburn has four receiver commits, credit to Cody Burns, the receivers coach there, four receiver commits, three of them have four-star ratings, and the others, uh, Elijah Canyon, who's one of the best players in talent, Rich South Florida. So very good job there for Auburn. Probably done at receiver. Would take one more, Brandon, if it was an elite guy that you just couldn't turn away. You know, that would be E.J. Williams out of Central in Phoenix City, Alabama. But I don't think they're going to get him, but they have a shot. Uh, and then Wesley Steiner, boy, I mean, hats off to Travis Williams. Granted, when he was hired as a linebacker's coach a few years ago, I got to be honest, I, I just I didn't know what they were doing. I mean, he, he didn't have a lot of experience. He, uh, you know, he'd been a great player at Auburn, speaking of underdogs. You know, talk about a guy that's always been an underdog, an undersized linebacker at Auburn that became all Southeastern Conference now was kind of written off as just an afterthought when he got hired as a linebacker's coach. And right now he has a linebacker class for the 2020 cycle that is the envy of just about every coach in the country. When yeah, all he all he's really coach. done, yeah. all he's really done since he's been hired full-time is get four and five-star guys. Um and yeah. also by the way, coach the coach the first all SEC linebacker at Auburn since by the way, Travis Williams was the player and last got the all SEC Award yeah. as a linebacker, and that being Deshaun Davis this past year, so yeah. he's the, the been guy, doing amazing. The guy's a winner, Brandon. Yeah, the guy's a winner. Let's be honest, and and the positive energy around him really, gosh, even when he talks to people like you and me, Brandon, it makes me feel better about myself. I mean, you know what I mean? Like he's a he's a funny, likable, energetic young guy can relate, relate to these guys. But Wesley Steiner is the latest pickup, and he's a, a top 100 recruit. So out of the three linebackers committed. Uh, one of them is Trent Simpson, the other is Cam Riley, and then obviously Wesley Steiner. Uh, two of those three are top 100 recruits. Trent Simpson's a, a top 52 national recruit. That means he's number 52 by the way. He's, a, he's, a, he's an elite guy that potentially could even become a five-star. He's out of North Carolina. Wesley Steiner's out of Warner Robins, Georgia, Houston County, the same school, by the way, that produced Jake Fromm, the starting quarterback at the University of Georgia. Uh, that's Georgia Bulldogs country. And Auburn has gone in there and beaten out Stanford and LSU for Wesley Steiner, who, by the way, at the recent opening finals, which if you follow recruiting, you know what it is, but i got to explain to everybody who does it. Uh, the opening finals is a seven-on-seven event in camp slash combine in Frisco, Texas, every summer. And one of the things they do is they, have, they do all the combine testing, and they give you a final score. So you do the vertical jump, the 40-yard dash, the power ball throw, which measures, obviously, strength, uh, and then the cone, the, the shuttle. And they come up with a score based on your height and weight, okay? Well, his score was by far the best of any of the 100 kids at this event. In fact, 
A year ago, Owen Papo, Auburn's terrific five-star signee, finished second in the same event, and Wesley Steiner's score blew his off the bat, okay? He ran a 4-5-1, which is very good for a 210-pound linebacker. Great vertical leap, great powerball throw, incredible shuttle. But what is a shuttle? That means the guy has COD. What is COD? Change of direction. And what are linebackers coaches looking for? Guys that can fly, cover the field from sideline to sideline. And Rodney Garner, I've heard this say this to me so many times, just chatting with me. He's looking for COD, defensive players. And I know this isn't a defensive lineman, but change of direction. And Wesley Steiner has all that. Now, he's still raw. He's still learning how to play the position. But you love, Brandon, the athletic ability, which is off the charts. And then also, he was smart enough that Stanford offered him a scholarship. And you're talking about the Ivy League school of the West Coast. So high IQ. Sometimes he thinks too much, they say. And so they've got to kind of knock. They actually, believe it or not, Brandon, you've got to tell kids not to think too much. The super smart kids sometimes, I know this in golf, being a golfer, Sometimes the really smart people make terrible golfers because they're too cerebral. Uh, they want him to go with his instincts more in high school coaches, but the athletic ability is there. And, uh, again, Travis Williams probably done it at linebacker. Auburn would still like to take one more buck linebacker, who they call a linebacker, Brandon, but obviously those guys work with Rodney Garner. But, look, Auburn's in a much better spot than, than it was on June 1st, but still a lot of work to be done. Specifically, uh, Brandon, as you know, a defensive back where there's no commitment and on the defensive line. But, you know, historically, Rodney Garner's been a strong closer. Uh, so you kind of give him the benefit of the doubt. In the secondary, Auburn's, Auburn's going to have to finish strong, and I think fans are going to have to be patient there. So Auburn's sitting at 13 commitments right now. Give us, like, an overview of what we can expect when it comes to recruiting between today yeah. and, say, August 31st when the season opens. Because, obviously, coaches are going to be coming off okay. vacation here soon, and then it's really kind of full steam ahead for them as far as preparation for the yeah. season, preseason camp. But what are they doing recruiting-wise between now and the season opener? Yeah, well, you know, obviously I'm on the road right now having fun with my family because they can't host visitors. We're in the middle of an NCAA-mandated dead period, which means you, can't have, you cannot have visitors' prospects on campus. Uh, there'll be a one-week break from that where you can host guys on campus the last week of July, and then all of August is dead again. And that's allowing college coaches to focus on the team. So what are they doing right now? They're coming off vacation, and they're working the phones hard because on Ju- uh, July 27th, Auburn is going to host a picnic, a recruit picnic, where they're going to want 2020 guys, class of 2021, class of 22. So right now you're working the phones trying to see who's available to come to that event because with that final week before we go into another dead period, it's an absolute feeding frenzy on recruits as schools are trying frantically to get guys to visit them. Clemson's going to have something that day. I was just in Oregon. They have a big camp that day. Florida has a major camp that day. Ohio State has its biggest camp that weekend. So everybody is fighting. Everybody is fighting to get these kids on campus. And so that's what Auburn's working for. But you know, I'm looking at you know, looking at the, who could be next to commit, Brandon. I'll give you three names. One would be Jeremiah Wright. He's an offensive tackle out of Selma, Alabama. Auburn leads for him. They love him. Three-star guy, but they think four-star value. Andy Boykins, a four-star defensive lineman from uh, Truth County, Georgia, LaGrange. He was once committed to Auburn and then decommitted. Now Auburn's in, in the lead again. And he's saying he's not going to announce until November. But I think if, if Auburn puts the screws to him, I think they could get him. And, and Brandon, you know, you know how they got Wesley Steiner? They called him. And they called another linebacker, and Auburn led for both. And they said, "There's only one spot left at inside linebacker." Got to one. <laughs> and 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 you know, this is a funny story because the other kid, Desmond Tinsel, did an interview with our competitor, 
And in the tweet, it said, Auburn leads, and I'm going to commit soon. I'm going to, I'm going to announce my choice soon. The other kid, Wesley Steiner, saw that tweet and immediately called Auburn and said, I'm committing right now on the spot. And he took the other kid's spot. And so, <laughs> oh, you know, so you brutal. can see some of that. If Auburn said, if Auburn, yeah, it's a, it's a tough one. Auburn, and those are tough phone calls to make for these coaches. Hey, look, I know you love us and we love you. We'll keep recruiting you if somebody transfers or flunks out or, you know, whatever. But those, those are tough calls to make because they really start to like these kids uh, and vice versa. But Andy Boykin, the four-star defensive lineman, you could see a similar situation that where Auburn says, look, you've already decommitted once. If you want a spot, you better take it now or that's it. Uh, and then, you know, I think a third guy to watch is Brendan Coffey. And, Brandon, it's funny. I just drove through Redding, California, northern California, just past it. Well, not that far from here, about an hour away, is a town called Paradise. And I think it's near Chico, California. Believe it or not, there's a Juco offensive lineman there that Auburn loves. And he visited Auburn a couple of months ago, a month and a half ago. Brendan Coffey's his name, 6'7", 290. A year ago, he was 6'5", 218. Okay, he walked on at junior college now he's the number two junior college offensive lineman in the country. Incredibly high upside. He visited Auburn officially, says they leave. But here's the problem. He's going to take an official visit to Oregon in a couple of weeks, okay? And as I know, that is about a five- or six-hour drive from his home in, in Paradise, California, to Eugene, Oregon. So Auburn's going to have to hold off – excuse me. Yeah, Auburn's going to have to hold off Oregon. And the word is Oregon thinks they've got a really good chance here. So – uh, but the reason I bring him up is because, one, he says Auburn leads, and, two, he wants to have a decision before the season starts. But a lot of kids, as we get into August, Brandon, they're going to start feeling the heat and thinking, well, do I really want this to drag into my senior season, or do I want to be focused on my schoolwork, my season, my teammates, all that stuff? And so a lot of times you have kids making decisions a lot sooner than they initially thought they would. Great stuff. Keith, I'm going to let you go so you can enjoy the West Coast yeah. and the drive down through California um enjoy the time off uh be safe on the roads and um yeah, well, we're just hoping we're just hoping that the earth doesn't start rattling. Right? i know isn't that scary man um i never yeah, experienced have yeah, you ever experienced an earthquake man no and i, I like to keep it that way yeah, yeah. Well, hopefully uh, california well, okay. doesn't fall into the uh pacific while you're out there well, we're going to be, we're going to hit Yosemite tomorrow, which they, you know, they, oh, no. places, but yeah, they, they say, yeah, please, Brandon, please. They, they say Yosemite is about as nice as they get. And I'm curious because I've been to Yellowstone National Park twice and, and I'm curious to see what that looks like, but then we'll, we'll wrap it up with the trip to Hurst Castle. We ran off Hearst. You're a big paper yeah. guy, Brandon. And then, uh, and then finally, the last day will be in San Francisco, taking my mom out to Alcatraz. Might leave her there. I don't know. We'll see. She, might leave me. she might leave me there. Hey, look, she might leave me there. We'll see. Well, I hear it's an easy swim back. You know, a lot of people yeah, make oh, it through. Yeah, yeah sure. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Keith. Enjoy yourself, right, man. I appreciate you. Yeah, see you. Okay, it's the dead of summer. And as I mentioned, Media Days is coming up next week. So we'll have a lot more to talk about. And by the way, um, if you're listening to this before the SEC announces it, it looks like Auburn's going to send left tackle Prince Teguanago. Is how you say his last name? <laughs> I was never clear on that. I'm bad with names. Uh, defensive tackle Derek Brown and defensive end Marlon Davidson are going to be Auburn's media representatives at SEC Media Days. I've been told. That's what I'm expecting, at least. Um, that's kind of the unofficial kickoff to the season to me, as I was talking with, with Keith a second ago about, but, um, 
to kind of pass the time here, I wanted to answer your questions. So I took to Twitter, asked you to fire some my way. It's pretty quiet right now, and a lot of you are just kind of waiting for something to talk about because there's we've been you've been asking the same questions over and over again, and I and I know that it's you know we're probably sick of asking the same questions over and over again. But here we go. I'm going to start off, and we're going to fire through these quickly because some of these are very long questions. Jet seven one 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 ask. I'd like your take on a softball situation, all the transfers. No big names to replace these folks. And, well, Dean doesn't get along with the players. I want to scoop on this because the program is spiraling out of control. Please discuss this. Thanks. That's not a question, Jet. And I don't I don't cover softball, but from 30,000 feet, it doesn't look good. Um, unless you said players are transferred out. Uh, they, they just got a transfer from South Alabama, but her numbers were not very good. She's a pitcher. I don't know. I don't follow softball closely. I, and I've, I've gone on record. My opinion is, is that Auburn will never see the success that it had in the Clint Myers era uh, again in, in the near future. That That's my opinion. Uh, McLovin, Kev Nasty asks, does Gus keep his job? So here we go. Already thinking of thinking uh five months ahead, six months ahead. Does Gus keep his job if Auburn goes eight and four with losses to Oregon, LSU, Georgia, and Bama? I think it's a coin toss. Maybe fifty five forty five he wouldn't make it through that. Maybe sixty forty. Adam Dillon asks, who will be the biggest impact player at linebacker this season? That's a good question. I, I think it might probably, might be KJ Britt. Um, not just because of numbers, but his ability to lead and kind of take that linebacker group into the future as they replace three starters. Really, they only, they'll have two linebackers out there mostly with another guy hovering. But uh, watch out for Owen Papo, guys. He's <laughs> He's a workout warrior and has been bothering Travis Williams, the coach, over and over again for pointers uh, throughout the offseason. So I'm telling you, watch out for Owen Papo, guys. Uh, Scott Chas- Chasson, Chasen, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, with our Kansas 24-7 sports site, um, asks, has the three-point barrage in the round of 32 stopped yet? Uh, no, Scott, it's continuing. Uh, Bryce Brown still hitting them in the NBA Summer League. Jared Harper has yet to hit one, but he still scored 19 points the other night for the Phoenix Suns. Uh, five Auburn players with professional opportunities from that Final Four team. And, of course, Scott's referring to the absolute demolition of Kansas by Auburn in the second round, and specifically that perfect first half in which Bryce Brown could not miss from downtown. Eric Fleming. Ooh, he's got some long questions. Oh, my goodness. Oh, here we go. <laughs> I'm, I'm not criticizing you guys, but, man, these are, I mean, a lot of opinion in these questions are not really questions. You got, you, you, you're wanting confirmation of your own thoughts, it seems like, on a lot of these. I don't know what to tell you. Okay. After Seth Williams and Anthony Schwartz, what does the receiver depth chart look like? Is Sal Canella going to finally become a constant fixture in the past game? I know last year we heard all about Sal was going to be a weapon out of the slot, but that never much materialized. Uh, uh, who's going to be after Seth Williams and Anthony Schwartz? Maybe Zach Farrar, the, the new kid 
uh, the transfer. Um, you know, I'm going to leave someone out. Matthew Hill definitely has an opportunity. Uh, Eli Stove, everybody keeps forgetting about Eli Stove and Will Hastings. They've got options, guys. They definitely have options. Options. He has another question. Also, who on this roster is going to, quote-unquote, become the next Ryan Davis for this offense? He was a go-to for screens, drags, quick slants, and even trick plays, and seemed at times to be the only consistent fixture in the passing game. I think Eli Stove could be that guy. That's just me. It might be Schwartz. They'll figure something out. I, I just don't know if you're going to be able to break, you know, Ryan Davis's record for career or for single season catches. Uh, Travis asks, so these athletic department budget cuts mean dark times for Gus. Okay. Um, okay. If he, if he underperforms also, who's, I don't, I don't understand why you think that also who's Auburn's first call. If he is fired, <laughs> chip Lindsay, High freeze? You mean Hugh Freeze. My pick would be the Memphis head coach. That's Mike Norvell, Travis. Um, so you think that Auburn cutting 10% of the budget for all athletic programs a year or so ago is them saving up money for a buyout? Hey, I mean, there might be something to that, you know, just in case they have to buy out Gus Malzahn, because the buyout, if they fire him after this season, be about $25 million. But it seems like everybody is more concerned about who is going to be Auburn's next coach before this season even begins and, and Gus Malzahn gets a chance to prove himself. The approach by some fans is very strange before a season. Shouldn't you be excited for the upcoming year instead of just going, who are we gonna fi- who are we gonna when are we gonna fire this guy and who's the next guy up? I'm gonna tell you something right now. No one knows who the next guy up is going to be. No one. You know why? And I'll tell you why. Here's a secret. Who's in charge of that situation? Is it gonna be Alan Green? Is there gonna be a big moneymaker that has the ear of Alan Green? Is there going to be a new president on campus by that time? Is Jay Gouge, if he's the interim, still the interim president, does he have a say? The board of trustees? There's no answer to that. Some people tell you they know the answer because they're being fed information by the people who want that power. But just because someone wants that power doesn't mean they have it. So to answer your question, I don't know because no one knows. Enjoy the season first off. Season openers August 31st against Oregon and Arlington, Texas. SEC Media Day starts next week. We'll be there, at least for Thursday when Gus Malzahn Auburn's there. Much more coverage of Auburn and many more things at auburn.247sports.com. I'll see you down the road. No one has it covered like 24-7 sports. Go Undercover with Auburn Undercover.